So many, so many, so many damn books. Hello and welcome to So Many Damn Books, a blessing, a curse, a podcast. My name is Christopher, and today I'm switching up the format a little bit. Instead of featuring an author, what I decided to do is feature readers themselves. Um, I asked them a bunch of questions and hung out and talked with the folks that listen to this show and just to get a little glimpse into what their reading lives are like right now. It was so special and so exciting to talk with the folks that listen to this show. They are exceedingly smart and charming, lovable, all the best things that you would want from the folks that listen to the podcast you make. So without further ado, let's uh, hear from the readers. I'm Michael Kurt, and I'm from uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, and I'm an author and an editor of a magazine called Berm. Um, I make comics, and I write fiction in general, uh, but I'm also a project manager, so all kinds of stuff, a lot going on. What are you drinking while you're hanging out with me here? Are you drinking sure. anything special? Yeah, just cold brew. Uh, but I did want to mention for your not, next non-alcoholic guest during the daytime, I have, a, I have something for you. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> there's a Ranger Chocolates is, has a coffee house in town called Trailhead Coffee. Uh, and they make cold fashions, which are old fashions, but cold brew. Uh, and so they have cold brew coffee with bitters and fennel syrup uh, with uh, orange and cherry garnish. But it's like extremely good. It sounds weird. It might be weird. It's very good. It sounds fantastic. No, it yeah. sounds great. The first question is how did you how did you come and find so many damn books the podcast? Yeah, um, so many damn books I found by I can't remember what the author was, but it, it must have been a weirdo author <laughs> because you guys like to focus on some very new authors who write kind of weird stuff, and I really appreciate that. And so when I was first starting to uh, get into writing professionally and um, you know learning how. It was a really good way to find authors who were contemporaries and kind of releasing currently mm -hmm. um, that might not be just like, oh, it's Stephen King, you know? <laughs> so it was a really good way to find um, interviews with small authors. Oh, that's really cool. This is a bigger, this is a bigger sort of philosophy question. In this world of ours, we um, have the ability to uh, consume media in all sorts of ways. And so what do books, particularly give to you that the rest of the forms of storytelling can't. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, books for me, I'm not a very good reader, actually. Uh, I, I go in big spurts of reading. Um, and so books to me have always been a way to kind of figure out what I'm doing and feeling at the moment. And so I often pick up many books and put them down very quickly until one hooks and then I just read it fully through very quickly, usually. Um, and there's been some very big standouts for that. Um, but recently, I've, uh, the last couple of years, I've gotten more into the audiobook versions of books, especially longer ones that I wanted to like get into, but haven't had the dedication to sit down and do it. <laughs> and so audiobooks have helped a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I, I find audiobooks to be better for longer books as well. And I think it's partially just because you can be doing something else like yeah. 
it's one of the very few books that the, those big long ones, you can't really cart them around and do something, which you can with some of the smaller ones. Yeah, I recently got Ant-Man by Charlie Kaufman. Ant-Kind, sorry. Ant-Kind by Charlie Kaufman. And uh, I want to read it so badly, but it's just so big. <laughs> it's so <laughs> unwieldy. I just can't pick it up. I understand that. I just started listening to because I've always wanted to read it, but I couldn't tackle it in the physical form. But A.S. Byatt's book, uh, a children's book is mm. the name. And uh, it's like 30 hours as an audiobook. So that like <laughs> shows you how the sort of dedication it takes to, and it was always just, I loved possession. And, you know, this was, it's, it's a world of Victorian literature that is so interesting to me, but I never quite, and it, and it touches a lot on the Peter Pan mythology, which I'm also really into. And I'm finally reading it, but I, it had to be an audiobook. So I get you. <laughs> Um, there's a podcast called Just King Things, and they have It coming up for Stephen King's It. And I, there's no way I was going to read that in, in book form. And so the audiobook, though, is extremely good. So if you've ever like, been putting it off, the audiobook is very good. I love that book. I, I, I have an actual like pocket paperback that was like, you know, Giant. the type that's like a, as wide as it is tall. Um, so that you're just carrying around a weird cube of a book, and it's, <laughs> it was great gave my hands that sort of um, stretchy workout. <laughs> What's the last book you loved? The last book I loved was, uh, I'm going to say Parakeet probably uh, by Maria Helen uh, Bertino. And um, that's a book that I put off for a long time. I bought it way back when you guys recommended, I believe <laughs> a while ago. And then finally I was like, Oh, I need to find something that'll hook me. just like I said, over like the weekend or something. And that one was a wild ride. So it was oh, really worth yes. it. <laughs> I mean, I love the word phantasmagorical. And I think that that is a book that to totally earns the description. I just would love to see a, um, an adaptation of that to and to see into her mind a little bit more because I, I would love to see all that visualized because in my head it was fantastic well that's what's happening right now with uh Alyssa nutting's uh made for love on hbo have you been watching that oh yeah i love it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's another one of those a very similar book where it's like what the hell is happening oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah along this those lines i a lot of people took this next question um adaptation wise but you can give one book to one famous person oh yeah which book would you give and, and which famous person and why i just finished the upstairs house by julia fine uh, when i got that survey um and i feel like greta gerwig would be a person who could find the quieter moments in that book instead of focusing on the fantastic kind of large moments because um, have you read The Upstairs House by Julia Fine? What is it about? Sure. Uh, it's about an author, of course, <laughs> who's in a, um, who's having a child. And during this process, or she just had a child, rather. Um, she moves into a uh, townhouse with her husband and the baby. And she has to give up her master's thesis to uh, raise a child and, like, recover from pregnancy. And it's all about postpartum depression. And the manifestation of that is that there's a sudden room outside of her house that leads upstairs that does not exist to anybody but her and an author who she's studying for her MFA lives in that house. 
but it gets wild. <laughs> like there's ghosts and the baby gets stolen and that's not a spoiler at all. Wow. <laughs> and it gets, it gets pretty wild. That sounds crazy. But it contains a lot of those very personal, like I've thought a lot about postpartum and uh, the author, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, and personal moments that go places without being fantastic or extreme. Mm-hmm. So I think Greta Gerwig would do well with that script. I feel like I'm seeing as a reader that you like the mundane turned into the fantastical. That's... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your reading project right now? I just I just uh, opened up S by J.J. Abrams and Doug Dorst, and that's the. Have you are you familiar with S? Yes, I'm very okay. Yes. <laughs> so I I have had it on the shelf for a very long time, just similar to Parakeet, and um, I finally decided to take it out of the box <laughs> and take all the ephemeral out <laughs> and read the story straight, and then put it all back in and read it again. And so that's going to be probably for me a six month project, I would bet. <laughs> it's a it's a very fun book um, because of all of these metatextual elements because. For those at home, it's a uh, that don't know what it is. It's a very cool text that also has the this extra um, addition of people who have discovered the book alongside you and have hidden messages to each other and maps and postcards and all of these things that when you buy the book, it has to come in a slipcover because everything has to be where it's discovered. These little. Um, code breaking things it's a very very you can get very involved in it and something that i thought was cool was the ebook version you can actually turn off all of the commentary Mm. you can just have that disappear so you can read the book clear through interesting so if you if you are going to try to do the reading clear through, I I might suggest also downloading you know more homework for the homework. <laughs> I heard there's an audiobook and I heard it's also good and inventive in a way. So I'll have to figure out why that is. I, I'll never forget. I went to the book release party part or not party, but um just discussion, and it was Lena Dunham interviewing Doug Dorst and J.J. Abrams about it. And she had a whole backstory for them that's like off the off the page. The people that are just <laughs> d- the discovering the book in the in the margins. It was it was just a sort of surprising. Like this is what did Lena Dunham have to do with this? But uh, I I enjoyed the um, the discussion. <laughs> that's great. Something else that you mentioned in your little I, I sent these reader interviews out, and I was curious about this thing that you mentioned, which was that A twenty four. Oh, zine. Yes. And I don't know anything about the A24. Okay. Zine. Okay. And I'd uh, love to know a little bit more. Listeners can't see this, but there is a giant magazine, paper, newspaper style zines behind me, uh, which are A24, the movie studios zines. And those zines started coming in these large format newspaper prints. Which they almost just, look like vinyl size. Like, they're fantastic. I thought that's what it was behind you. <laughs> No, they're different. Uh, they're in slip covers because I'm a weirdo, but they uh, <laughs> they are these giant newspaper prints, and they they don't make them like this anymore. After like 13 or something, they went to just a typical zine style, uh, which is an A4 folded in half. But um, anyway, A24 puts out uh, a zine for almost every big movie they do, and they allow the 
director of that movie to make a zine about whatever they want related to the movie or not does not matter <laughs> which i find extremely fascinating the one i was just showing was greta gerwig um, and that came out with lady bird and it's called lady saints and mystics and it's all about victorian and strange religious art that have female focused saints <laughs> whoa cool yeah. yeah and there's like essays and stuff like that and and people did a bunch of weird stuff uh, bo burnham has one too about memes <laughs> and the history of memes which oh is yeah because cool. eighth grade was a24 yeah. huh oh yeah. i love that movie right and so, yeah, all those, uh, you know, Robert Eggers has one. Um, and then, yeah, like, like I said, they started coming in these smaller formats mm -hmm. after a while. Um, and now you can get a subscription to them. But this one is for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, of course, was fantastic. Um, and this is all about the history of taxes and the IRS, <laughs> which I thought was <laughs> fascinating. Uh, but wow. they're great. You know, they're just little pieces of movie ephemera that are also zines and that were edited by directors and writers and stuff. That's so cool. I love that there you could do something even like in universe if you wanted to. With oh yeah. That. Um, I feel like that's a fun opportunity for a director if they if they want to play the game. Who was an early guest that you were like, oh crap, like this is real now? <laughs> our first guest, our first um our first guest was a, a, a phone call and it was um, Emily St. John Mandel, right? Uh, like it was, it was hot off of um, station 11 had just come out and we were so excited to get her to come on the show as our, we were like, this is an auspicious sign that we're getting this person. <laughs> and then, you know, when we had Will Chancellor in the, for our first in-studio guest, and it was just such an easy, like, great time to hang out. And we, that was a, those were two things that were like, okay, this is, this is going to work. This is going to be something more than just <laughs> us talking in like a basement. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. I so appreciate you hanging out and, and chatting with me and being a reader and listener of so many damn books. Yeah, thank you for doing the podcast in the first place. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug on your way out here? Uh, I have a website. Uh, it's called icbadspirits.com, and I have my first comic book up now that you can read called Sinkhole on that website. Awesome. We'll go, everybody can go and check that out. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Awesome. Thank you so much. My name is Daniela. I am from Canada, from a city called London. Um, yes, it was ripped off of London, England. Uh, so I'm an English teacher. Currently, I'm teaching adults. Um, I've taught in the UK for a couple of years as an English teacher. So I have lots of varied experience in terms of that. And I'm just, I'm just such a big book nerd. <laughs> well, I feel like you'd have to be. I feel like it's a prerequisite for Absolutely. coming on the show. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what, did, what have you bought recently? I only recently got into romance books just, mm -hmm. just for just, I don't know, I just happened to pick one up and actually liked them. So I was just in a store the other day and bought one, I cannot remember who wrote it. Oh, no, it's right here. It's Book Lovers by Emily Henry, because obviously it's called Book Lovers, so. 
It's a good thing to connect over. Exactly. <laughs> Are you drinking anything of note right now? I just finished my Diet Pepsi. <laughs> Beautiful. That's that's what it's it's an important cocktail for for any part of the day. A diet. Absolutely. Pepsi. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, tell me, what is the last book that you loved? The last book that I absolutely loved um, was, and I'm going to make sure that I absolutely get it right because I cannot, I just have a tendency to forget everything I've ever, I've ever <laughs> done. Yeah. You know? It's, it's always when you get asked a question like this, that you're like, have I ever read a book? Have I like, ever I seen a movie? What, <laughs> I don't know what word is. I yeah. don't, what? <laughs> so this was An Arrow to the Moon by Emily XR Pan. So it is a YA. And I happened to pick up her first book just in a library in a school. And I loved it. It's called, the, her first book is called The Astonishing Color of After which is the most incredible title. Great and title. Then this, yeah, amazing. So then I had been following her along. So that was her first ever book. This was her second. I obviously had to pre-order it. And it was, it, it was Romeo and Juliet meets Chinese mythology. Hmm. Coolest in, d- description ever. So I got into it and I loved it. And it was just, it's been my favorite book so far this year. Wow. And is the, does it have any fantasy elements or is it absolutely yeah absolutely definitely lots of fantasy you don't i've i always used to be really hesitant about books that had multiple multiple uh, narrators Mm -hmm. but this did it so well so it was not only this it was a very Romeo and Juliet-esque thing, but then there's also the parents are brought into it and you get to learn about I mean, the thing that I don't like so much about the actual Romeo and Juliet is like, well, I mean, these kids know nothing. They're kids. But then <laughs> this had this element of, well, yeah, of course they know nothing. Here's what the parents' reasonings are. So it had the, it added this 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 really nice element of, here's the voices of reason here. Here's why things are the way they are. Mm, that yeah, that sounds really great. I I have to admit that sometimes when I see something mashed up with Romeo and Juliet, there's a little bit of, again, yeah, <laughs> it can really, but it seems like that, that does add a really love the parental guidance side of it does seem to add a, a completely different because that's sort of lacking. I agree. <laughs> you know, I it's agree. like Romeo, I... go talk to your parents. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. That's all you really need to do. Right. Talk to your parents. <laughs> but then there's also this added element of, with the parents of identity and how much their backgrounds have shaped who these kids are as people and what they believe in as people. And it's something that people realize as they get older, you know, when they go to university, when they're in their, when they become parents themselves, it's not influences that they realize happened until way later in life. So it's really interesting to see reading this as an adult, seeing it and seeing how their parents' ideas and their parents' beliefs shape these kids. And it's really interesting. Yeah, it sounds great. What's your reading project right now? So my reading project, it seems it's really, it seems really basic, but I just want to read 52 books this year because last year I, and it, it seems really small, but it's a really big deal to me because last year I got really injured 
in February. Oh, and sorry to hear it. It's, I, it is okay. Um, I am fine now. I ended up, I had, it was my knee. It was a ski fall, really bad ski fall. I had surgery in June, but as a result of my injury, I couldn't do a lot of the things that kind of kept me, you know, those coping mechanisms that you do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I realized it afterwards, but it was like a five month depressive episode where I just wasn't feeling myself. And as a result of that, I didn't read. And it's now become a clue to me that if I'm not doing so great mentally, then mm-hmm. I can't read. It's, I cannot put my brain into it. So for me, I realized that that's a, that's a sign that I need to do a little bit of extra care and, you know, be, to be okay. And this is, it feels, it's, it's, a, it's the tiniest thing to just want to read 50 books again, which is what I can usually do. But this, it, I couldn't do it last year. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't read. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So yeah. this year, it feels like such a big deal to have these books, you know, be reading two books a week now. And I, it feels great. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that sounds tiny at all. That sounds really wonderful. And especially considering, you know, people struggle to read even one book a year, you know, trying to get yeah. 52 in there is, is, is really wonderful. You know, the book I mean, industry me, appreciates you. Yeah, it brings me so much joy to read. And I've always been since I've always been a huge reader. I do hold, I still hold the record for most number of books read in grade one. It is my claim to fame. And I know that's the truth because I ran into my grade one teacher a couple weeks ago and she told me I still hold the record. She was retired now, but she's like, no one ever read as many books as you. So for that, it's such an integral part of who I am. So to not be able to, and it wasn't like, I just couldn't do it. My brain wasn't in it. So it feels so good to be able to get back into it. My first grade teacher listens to the show sometimes hi first grade teacher <laughs> that's so cool yeah it was so nice so nice to hear that's definitely why i wanted to become an english teacher too is because you know it's so many teachers have shaped so much of my imagination and so much of my love for reading and my grade six teacher was all about like the love of words and crafting and it's, i i have i've had i've had the pleasure of having the best English teachers that taught me how to love literature and how to love books and what to look for. And like my grade nine English teacher, she passed away last year from cancer, but Ms. Cummins was the most incredible teacher. And she, just her love for what she did and her love for her books. And she taught me so much about writing and reading. And I like, I owe so much to her. She's my, I, if I could be an ounce as good as she is, then I'll know I've done a good job. <laughs> oh, that's really lovely. So say there's one book on your shelf that anyone who knows you would be surprised you own. Uh, what's that book? Why do you have it? And why is it a surprise that it's there? So my favorite book what okay i can't say that one of my favorite books i you can't choose a favorite but it's called a treatise on shelling beans it is by polish author don't i don't know how to say the name i cannot pronounce it but it's by polish author and it is so incredible and i think it's it doesn't really fit kind of my genre i don't know i don't know i don't know why I, it was a random pick i just picked it up 
and read the back and thought it looked cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any interest in Polish authors. It's not something I gravitate towards, but for some reason I just picked this book up and it was so interesting. And it's, it's told in second person perspective and first person perspective. So you as a reader get to be a character of this guy mm. talking to you and you're like shelling beans together, but then he's telling you about his life story and it feels so comforting. And I just, I, I loved it. So that's something it just, it just doesn't quite make sense with the rest of my books, mm-hmm. but I love it. <laughs> well, people can go to so many damn and find this episode and there will be i i list every episode i mean every book that's ever mentioned on an episode um over there so many damn books.com and uh, you can find the a treatise on shelling beans and the correct spelling of the author over there <laughs> um, it sounds really really interesting yeah. and you know sometimes it's funny I, I randomly picked up a book by mark dunn called elemino p and it was also a sort of bizarre book about um an island of people who start to ban certain letters in the alphabet and so I remember I remember hearing about this and something about shelling beans peas something about gardening really brings out you know the interesting creativity from people yeah I I love that me too (laughs) well I so appreciate you coming on the podcast do you have anything else you want to tell the good readers of the world before before you sign off here um i do if you're if you want to hear more about some of my books that i listen to um i have a little blog um called real not ideal on instagram it's real underscore not underscore ideal i do book talk tuesday Um, i don't write very much on the actual blog only when i really feel like it but that's there if you want to. I just, I like talking about books. So Book Talk Tuesday. Well, I hope you all go and check that out. Great. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. I loved it. <laughs> hey, I'm Noah. I am currently in New York City in Chelsea. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm primarily an actor, um, but I also work for a software company to pay the bills on the side. Um, I have an awesome boyfriend uh, and an awesome dog. Tell me about your dog. Oh, uh, he's a little, his name's Tuck. He's about three years old. Um, I rescued him back in 2019. He's a little Jack Russell Chihuahua mix and he's out of his mind and the most chaotic dog ever, but like the best dog. I love that. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, he's pretty fun. I think dogs are very helpful for reading because they just like, if if they're against you, if they've got that like pressed body thing and you don't want to move and it's so, you should just have a book. Yeah, you're just forced <laughs> to <laughs> just with the book because the dog's not moving. Yeah, no, you're just a backstop for them and that's great. Totally. As soon as I get on the couch to lay down and read, he's just like hops right into the little, the little arm crevice. What are you drinking right now? Uh, it's just a little simple bullet whiskey on the rocks. Um, I'm not a big cocktail person. I made one of your cocktails actually. 
previously. Um, I think it was the one you did for uh, the made for the George Saunders conversation. Like, oh yeah, the black pepper one. Yeah, the corn thing. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm so glad you checked that out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm drinking this uh, very strange. Uh, Pepsi put out a nitro version. Uh, that's Ooh. like, so it comes out smooth. Um, like, the, like the nitro cold brew. Exactly. And it's not very good, um, but <laughs> I I added whiskey and um, some oatly ice cream to it to make sort of a alcoholic, because um, it already tasted sort of like because I got the vanilla flavor. It already tasted sort of like a melted Pepsi ice cream, mm-hmm. and so having that with the vanilla ice cream, I, I haven't had a float in forever. Um, I don't know if I've ever had one. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were a you know, having an, an ice cream and a soda was like something that you would have like a, a, a birthday party growing up. What a treat. Yeah. And it's nice. It's, I, I don't know if I'm going to be finishing it, but the, but whiskey and Pepsi, whew, it's a, it's a winning combination. Right on. So tell me, have you got any books recently? Uh, yes, I actually, I mean, this is like both a what did you read and what do you recommend in all in one. I went to my little bookstore down the street for me um, yesterday to get uh, the new Fernanda Melkor novel, Paradise, mm-hmm. um, and kind of read it in one sitting last night. And it's fucking out of this world. You just got to go to your local bookstore, picked up the book and read it that day. What a magical experience it was, it was like a magical sort of new york it's been a magical new york city weekend just to, <laughs> it was, that was definitely part of part of it wait so tell me about this book i don't know anything about it um so had you read her previous book hurricane season that came out i think a couple no years but ago. i i have heard of it yeah got it so this is it's very similar to hurricane season um she's a mexican writer um and it's her style is very like it's a short book, it's about 110 pages, but both in this and hurricane season, it's just this kind of torrential stream of consciousness, consciousness sort of like just batters you with prose, but in a, in a very accessible way. It's also very brutal and very violent um, and very funny. Uh, but this particular novel, it's about a couple of teenage boys um, mm. living in kind of this, what I would liken to a, a, a gated community. Um, and it's, just about this this plan that they hatch that goes really wrong (laughs) (laughs) teenage boy plans kind of do that yeah yeah (laughs) but it's um it's wonderful so i i highly recommend that i also got um i bought the new uh hernan diaz novel trust yeah which i'm super stoked everybody is just absolutely over the moon for this book people are losing their minds about it it's exciting yeah it's i it's it's rare to see sort of a groundswell like this but i'm very excited to read it it's on my shelf i I just think things keep jumping ahead of it in a way that i need to stop letting things jump ahead of it because it seems like a really special reading experience tell me about the last book that you loved and what did you love about it sure the last book I loved, the, I mean, the first one that jumps to mind, I think I, I, sent, I submitted this to you, but uh, Young Mungo by Douglas Stewart um, is just, I read Shuggy Bane back when it first came out and it was just any like, any gay coming of age tale is just automatically going to be for me, I think. <laughs> but there's something about 
him, I went to see, um, he was in conversation with Minjin Lee at, I think McNally Jackson did like a release party for them. So I got to go and see the conversation they had. And he read a few selections from the book in his, he has this beautiful Scottish brogue. And it really like, it really just brought to life this, this novel. And it's just the, the characters and the, the way that, um, just the way you kind of like, grow up a little bit with this kid is really and, and nobody writes like him and it's really fascinating and also another like brutal novel it's kind of these two um two kind of parallel storylines that end up converging at some point but uh he's just I think he's a magnificent writer and like hearing him speak I like read the whole thing in my my terrible Scottish dialect. <laughs> you were trying to do a, an impression yeah. of him in your head yeah, while you were reading. Exactly. I love that. You can give one book to one famous person. What book do you give and which famous person and why? I would give, um, George Saunders is, I think, my favorite writer of all time. He's just, he's magnificent. And I remember, I think I read this story in The New Yorker one time, just on a whim. Um, and then he released it later as a book. But Fox 8 is just such a uh, beautiful, wonderful, creative story that mm -hmm. um, there's nothing nothing like it has ever been written and nothing like has ever been written like it since he's written. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, the whole time I read it, I was like, Michael Shannon should play <laughs> Fox. <laughs> and I think that's, I, I would give the, the Fox 8 to uh, Michael Shannon to record. Make. Yes. Would, do, would you want him to make a movie or a play or? Ooh. Honestly, seeing him on a, on a stage doing the Fox would be <laughs> pretty spectacular, I think. I think, yeah, I think I would go, if I had to choose a medium, I think the theater would be probably it. I think we are getting another George Saunders adaptation coming to Netflix, I believe. What are they adapting? They're adapting the um, Escape from Spiderhead short what? story, which I think is the one where the, there's, you can affect your moods with injections from 10th of December. Yeah, yeah, very cool. That's really exciting. So do you have a reading project right now? Yes, I do. So I have, um, I've, my proclivity has been towards like the smaller, slimmer novels just because they're like, life has been very busy recently and they're just easier to get through. But I have like this growing stack of like just big ass doorstop novel so I've been trying to get through a lot of a lot of those I went to a cabin upstate and read um the uh Hermione Lee uh biography of Tom Stoppard a couple weeks ago um, which is like a you know an 800 page a life in 800 900 pages um which it's it, it, he's a pretty I mean he's a, a fascinating dude mm -hmm. and has written some amazing stuff and some mind-boggling stuff so that was that's cool, but I'm, I'm trying to get through more of those um, intimidating 900-page novels. Right, like the Olga Tokarczuk, yeah, um, the Books of Jacob, and... Yes, 
Yes. I mean, that's the one that is sort of key. It keeps like grabbing my eye. And I just think like, I, you know, <laughs> I have, I have doorstop novels at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like, yeah, I have it. It's been sitting here on this table for what feels like years, even though it's been months, but. Um, she did just win the Pulitzer for it. So it's, it's wow. gotta be pretty good. I think probably. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's gotta be wonderful. Her other book on, what was it plow drive your plow over the bones of the dead mm-hmm. um, yeah fucking wonderful <laughs> um, but you know it was just a couple hundred pages one thing that i i always love um in books is discovery and i i wanted to know have you recently uncovered any books that you can't believe you didn't hear of before okay so, uh, Sarah Rule is one of my favorite playwrights. I think I've seen almost all of her New York productions since, since the Vibrator play. But um, she, she had released this book, Letters from Max, like a while back. Um, and I, a friend had just given it to me and had recommended it to me. Um, and it's essentially about, it's these letters between Sarah Rule and a student she had at Yale. Um, who was dying uh, and they just exchanged letters until he died and um, she published it as a book and I just can't believe as a voracious Sarah Rule fan I can't believe I hadn't heard of it before um, and was it was given to me and it was one of the most moving things I could possibly um, definitely like a reread definitely something to just sit in the house and pick up and open up from time to time it's a really beautiful moving collection of letters 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 can do that i think letters in particular collections of letters can be so satisfying in that way because they are a complete thought just one letter is an is an essay a story a something you know you get a, a, a mood from it and it almost is better to read in between because that's how they were received you know they didn't they didn't come as a weird flurry right and it's kind of like unfortunately i don't know if archaic is the right term for it but like everyone used to write letters back nobody writes letters anymore so it's just so it's so cool to just these just long luxurious sometimes they're very short in a few sentences but um yeah it's just it's a refreshing cool thing to read you're inspiring me i feel like i need to go and get some more letter collections because there's definitely some really good ones. What's your favorite book that's outside of the genre you usually like to read? And so what's, what's your usual genre and what's, what, what brought you outside of the genre? How did you decide to read it? Yeah. Usual genre just like it's this very general, but like literary fiction is, Mm -hmm. is the jam. Um, I love biographies, mostly of actors or just like creatives of some sort. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I have a, a massive aversion to fantasy and sci-fi for some reason. I just can't get into it. So there was one book that I learned about from your podcast, (laughs) uh, book of the most precious substance that like, at face value when reading the, the, you know, synopsis was like, very not for me. <laughs> right. Like, anytime a potion is involved or like, right. a, it's just, it, it's just not, 
it's not for me, but I, you guys have such a good, I've had such a good track record with your recommendations. I was like, well, whatever, I have nothing to lose. Let's pick it up. And that was another one I read in, I think like two sittings. I couldn't, mm-hmm. it was so good. <laughs> and I'm still kind of annoyed that like n- more people aren't talking about it. Cause it was just such a, the way she like, I've just never read a book like it. And the way I feel like sex is such a, a difficult topic to write. I feel like I haven't read a lot of great things about sex. Mm-hmm. And the, the way she writes about sex in particular was just so eye-opening and, and magical. I love that book and it's, it keeps popping up in my head of just like, man, that was a good one. Like, yeah. can, I, can I find another <laughs> uh, book of the most precious substance out there? Yes, the search is on. What's the book on your shelf that people would be surprised that you own? Um, what's surprising about it and why do you have it? I think I have two answers for this. One, um, I'm not a poetry person, never really have been. Appreciate it, but we'll never actively seek it out. But I do have a, um, a copy of Patterson by William Carlos Williams sitting on my shelf. And I don't know why I picked it up. Mm-hmm. I think I was in Rhode Island on the road and just like, that looks interesting. Let's, let's give this a shot. Um, and I have, I still haven't read all of it. Most of it is nonsensical to me, but when I do decide to crack it open, it's beautiful. And, um, I don't, I don't really know how to articulate my feelings about it, but I feel like it does the thing that poetry is supposed to do at its, its most, um, essential, Mm -hmm in its most essential form. Um, so I think, yeah, people would be surprised to find that on my shelf because I don't think I have a single other poetry book. <laughs> um, and another one, I used to work for this uh, property management company. And um, one day there was just this box, like ratty looking moldy box of books sitting out in the hallway from someone who moved out. And I found a first edition copy of Lolita in there. Ooh is a controversial novel. <laughs> um, I, I'm a big fan of the novel. I think it's, I think it's a continually fascinating novel, but I do get, um, you know, I do get some interesting stares from time to time where like, you know, pre-COVID. I mean, I feel like if I had a first edition of Lolita, I would also want to prominently, I would, I would want to display it. It's a, of course. It's a, of course. It's a neat story. Totally. And it like, it prompts, you know, if people notice it, it prompts interesting. I love having conversations about that book just cause it's like, it's, it's just a wild book. Yeah. That's, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are the two, I think that would be, people would be surprised. Everything else is pretty, uh, pretty predictable. <laughs> right. One thing leads to the next. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have anything that um, our the, the listeners to so many damn books um, should check out? Is there is there anything you want to plug from your life? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, this is cool. I so I actually made my network television debut last week on an episode oh. of uh, Law and Order: Organized Crime. Ooh. Um, so if you want to check out that episode, episode 20 from season two. Um, That's awesome. I have a, a couple scenes in there. Uh, what, um, can you tell what you were doing or totally. is that a spo- so, spoiler? 
<laughs> no, no, it's very early in the episode. It's all, you know, has nothing to do with what really happens. But I, um, I play this janitor who is a sex offender. Um, I have a really cool chase scene where I get arrested. And then uh, this interrogation scene with uh, Christopher Maloney and Mariska Hargitay. Um, oh, so cool. Sort of trade trade information for a lighter sentence for my crimes and then they move on. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Yeah, that sounds great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Well, there you go, folks. Go check out that episode of Law and Order Organized Crime. Yeah. And Noah, thank you so much for hanging out and being a featured reader on So Many Damn Books. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is like so cool. I've been listening to you for years and it's my favorite podcast and you guys are just, you're the best. So thanks for, for doing this. This is a really cool feature. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. That was fun. It is so cool to hang out with the people who listen to this show. Y'all have such fun reading lives. So fun, in fact, that I'm going to do another episode of this. Comes out next week, Reader Feature Part 2. And in the meantime, go ahead and follow me on socials at So Many Damn Books. Or you can also uh, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Or go to patreon.com slash smdb for any more info that you might need. So many damn books.com. Okay. Happy reading, guys. Bye.